Welcome to the Sacred Body Podcast, where we explore the embodiment of belonging and the journey to get there. The topics we'll focus on primarily are food, birth, sex, and boundaries. And I'm your host, Stacey Ramsauer. here with one of my favorite teachers in all the world, Katie Silcox. And Katie is the New York Times bestselling author of the book Healthy, Happy, Sexy, Ayurveda Wisdom for Modern Women. Holding a master's degree in the Ayurveda sciences, Katie is an internationally recognized teacher, mentor to women, and inspirer of hearts and minds. She is renowned for her depth of study, her ability to present the complexities of ancient wisdom in a practical, life-affirming manner, as well as her unique capacity to distill the teachings with Southern Belle humor and grace. Katie has sipped from the honey of many globally known teachers, having a decade, including a decade-long guru-disciple relationship in the Himalayan lineage-based Sri Vidya Tantra. Today, she works solely with the inner guru of her own heart. I've had the pleasure of learning from Katie through her prolific Ayurveda training program, Shakti School. She is one of the most generous and grounded teachers at her level, and I'm so honored to have this woman here today on the Sacred Body Podcast. Katie, again, thank you so much for making time to talk today. Oh my gosh, I feel like, what a blessing for me. Wow, my heart opens so fully. Thank you. Um, I'm so excited to be here, and I've also been honored to have you in my life. So thank you for inviting me here. Absolutely. Um, I feel like there's so much that I'd like to get to today, but where I want to start is this incredible journey. Even though I haven't been a student of yours for all that long, the time that I've spent with you, the, I mean, depending on which way you want to slice it, a very long time, a quite short period of time in which you've traversed the many pitfalls of the yoga world and your own journey uh, of healing. And so I'd just love for you to tell us a little bit about um, the path, like what initiated it and what has led you to this place of what I think is undeniable embodiment of self-trust and even, you know, this nod to your awareness that the guru lives truly inside your own heart and what that transition was like for you. Yeah, it's a great, a big, huge question. Um, you know, I, I discovered yoga when I was pretty young. I was 18 and I was living in Spain and I, I'd been living, I lived in Spain for eight years. And so a part of my um, experience in this incarnation was leaving my family at a really young age, 17. I, I moved to Spain and I lived there for eight years. And, and I had so many of the, you know, modern issues of women of our time. And I, I want to preface this story by saying, and all of those issues are still a part of my life. And I think like, uh, yoga became the refuge upon which I turned to, to really 
heal or solve or um, put a band-aid on a, a lot of things that many of us experience right now. Mm-hmm. And it, it really helped. And so I fell madly in love with yoga. I um, dedicated a, a lot of my life to it and lived in India and studied there for a half of a year with some amazing teachers in, in India, specifically A.G. Mohan and Indra, his wife. And then I still felt like it wasn't exactly where my heart was. And I met Rod Stryker. I studied with him in the tantric lineage of Sri Vidya for another decade and, and, and learned so many incredible things from all of these people, both, both Indian and Western teachers of Sri Vidya and Tantra and yoga and Ayurveda. And what I found was that there's something that was still sort of knocking at my heart's door that didn't feel exactly right. And, um, I, I discovered that, um, for me, many of the templates or overlays that I was being given as practice methodologies were from, um, what I call a masculine approach, which is neither good nor bad. It just wasn't the feminine form. And even the ancient teachings speak about that, that there's a way of going against nature and there's a way of going with nature. And both of those can be useful at some point in time. Um, so now I'm working in what I call the feminine form. And the masculine, you know, it's like the yin and the yang symbol, the Shiva and the Shakti. The masculine and the feminine can never be separated. But I, I think that in... Um, so my so to conclude <laughs> briefly, my journey started with suffering, and um, I thought that yoga and Ayurveda and Tantra and all of these practices would make that go away. <laughs> and just what I would encourage everyone out there listening, it, it, it's it's an incredible part of the experience of being a human is the way in which suffering is the teacher and is the guru. And the experience of, of pain and longing is like the very thing that is going to expand us into that next level of the journey. Mm-hmm. So uh, I can't remember the second part of your question, but I think I answered the first. Definitely. And I want to highlight this piece that I think is so much a part of becoming a true teacher is that acknowledgement that like the suffering isn't going to go away it changes our relationship to it changes for sure but like how many times have I suffered deeply under this like deep weight of imposter syndrome because like I'm not fixed I'm not cured my life isn't perfect and I've been working so hard at my yoga and it's like well but you're missing the point babe Yeah, thank you. You just gave me such a gift. Thank you so much. Because you basically just gave words like the little demon in my head that I literally have to work with every single day. And I was telling my mom, you know, every moment in the best things that have occurred in my life in the worldly sense, some things we could call successes, were oftentimes coupled with some of the greatest personal dramas and tragedies and growth moments that don't look pretty. Yeah. And um, don't look like you're on the cover of a magazine or a book. And, and yet those have been the very moments where I've been the closest to truth and who I am, which is sometimes a really messed up looking creature who's like dirty crying with her mom. And, you know, <laughs> it's, it's just such a fallacy, this whole idea that, that we're going to be fixed by these, these systems of thought. Right. 
And it's so much, I mean, there's like eight different threads that I want to follow from just this. But one thing that uh, I want to bring up just while we're at kind of like the early stage of the story unfolding is during Shakti school, you shared a story and I swear I know exactly who you were talking about and was in the same photographer's studio in Los Angeles. I used to live in LA as well. And you shared this story about um, being photographed for some magazine and having this experience with a photographer, like wanting to photograph you nude and kind of being on the edge of this, these two worlds. And to me, it's not just about Los Angeles, although there's something very specific about that place for me, but just the edge of these two worlds of like the illusory yoga realm, which is very much like this is going to cure you. This is going to fix you. A lot of the spiritual bypassing um, and just illusion and the other path that you've clearly taken try to take every day mm-hmm. and what you what you you keep giving me all these gifts because Stacy like when you wrote me about this podcast and you said I want to talk about this thing that you're so clearly doing like whereby you're trusting yourself and I was like wow I, I wish I was doing that all the time every day and and you mm-hmm. put your finger right on the very place uh, where my my personal uh, I don't even want to call it a practice just where the guru that is life Shakti, where she's leading me and taking me, and that is to trust myself. And um, so often, you know, you and I kind of are growing up or have grown up in a yoga world where um, I think it's very fashionable right now in the yoga world to talk about how fucked up the yoga world is and how shitty the yoga journal cover magazine (laughs) is. And like, we're all sort of on, on, we're all sort of super woke to how wrong the yoga, the capitalistic, consumerist, patriarchal form of yoga is. And, yeah. you know, what I want to say is, like, to, that, that we also have to remember, like, this is a, this is, there's no, the, the seminal idea of Tantra is there's no good or bad. There's no right or wrong. Yes, we want to live in a yeah. moral society. Yes, we want social justice. Yes, we want changes that are going to help people who have been marginalized and like all these, we don't want to be spiritual bypassy, but if we forget this greater overarching eagle eye vision, there is a force underneath that's got us covered that understands the process that we're going through. Like we become so um, haughty with our human minds thought that, Oh, this was so, what was so wrong and so bad about us as a society and humanity. And now we're going to change everything and we're going to decolonize yoga and we're going to depatriarchize reality. And, and what, where I am right now is just understanding like, wait a minute, that's becoming the very system of oppression that we want to get out of. Right. And so I'm trying to get out of the space of like, Oh, I went through this I went through this experience in the yoga world where I was confronted with so much sexism, so much ageism, so much um, patriarchy. And and I had to experience all of the emotions around that in my own body and release that. But at the same time, there there is this underlying force that has my back, that has your back, that has our back, that 
molding us through what may be perceived as these sexist or patriarchal um, modes of, of power. And so it's, it's a very interesting time to be alive on the planet, which in some traditions is considered a curse. <laughs> but, but what I will say about that experience that you, that you remembered, which, you know, it's funny what, what, who remembers what, but, um, I, I'm writing another book and I tell that story in the book and, and I'm what, where I am now with that book, Stacy, which is basically, a it was, right, sort of a tell-all tale about my experience of being a young woman and growing up in this sort of yoga world, both the consumer, um, more media-based aspect of, I was on the cover of Yoga Journal, I had a big best-selling book, but, and also the underbelly of the tantric world where I was working with a, in a guru-disciple relationship, and, and it was so easy to tell all of these stories and, and kind of juxtapose it against the time that we're living in of Me Too and um, all of the things that are really positive about that. And yet I got to the end of writing this 350 page book, Stacy, and I was, and the goddess in me, like God in my heart was like, this book is a rant and a rave about everything that you don't like about your experience. It was an emotional processing mm -hmm. technique for me. It's not a story that anyone needs to read yet. Until you can get to the place where you forgive the perceived enemy, where you no longer see the enemy as us versus them, where all those things are cleared away, then you can start to tell the actual story, which is a love story about how you learned how to love and trust yourself. And, that, and I'm just so over-demonizing anyone and anything else. And yet doing that was therapeutic for me, and I, and I needed yeah. to not spiritually bypass in the moment. But I didn't need to do it in a tell-all, blamey sort of way, if that makes sense. Um, I, I, I realize I veered away from, from the original. You didn't even ask me a question, I don't think, but... No, not at all. That's, I mean, I feel this dynamic all the time as a teacher, as a student, as a practitioner, and at the end of the day, it's like, but, you know what is the thing that allows you to rest in a place of love? And I've had a lot of conversations recently with fellow teachers and, you know, air quotes, very serious students. And I don't mean air quotes to diminish that they are serious, but like, what does that mean? <laughs> uh, we're all serious in, in our way. It doesn't look like one thing or another, but, you know, people that have that are sort of sifting through these experiences and attempting to lay down a path that they can really honor as individuals. And that, I, I know a friend, a colleague, a fellow teacher, um, and someone I greatly admire, her name is Sarah Martin. She has quoted her teacher, Manorama, saying like, don't make it your deal to not be able to handle the solitary nature of your path like where there for a while the complaint the chief complaint from my end was like oh there's no one who gets it like I do there's no one who's as serious as I am there's no one in my city who practices x everyone just wants to do blah 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 and yeah. it totally derailed my my love my joy my healing until I, as, you know, as tends to be the, the way, 
I was put in such a position of suffering, no other word to describe it, that it was like, I don't give a shit what anybody else is doing. I must do this. And in order for me to do this healing with any shred of joy, it can't, like, I can't be so worried about what everyone else is doing for their joy. But I need that reminder still. And so I, you know, maybe asked you that because I knew that's where we'd end up. <laughs> Her teacher was so wise and like not denying the solitary nature of this experience because in the end, the only one with you is you and you are the one who's going to witness yourself with love and no one, I mean, we can do that for one another, but in the end of the day, like we have to be the one that can do that. And the other one thing I want to say is this idea of being a spiritual orphan. It reminded me of that because here we are, many of us in the West, in the United States, practicing this, this thing called yoga. And, and I don't know if your podcast is solely on yoga. I, I don't think it is. But, you know, what, what many of us are doing is trying to figure out something that feels real and authentic mm -hmm. within a system that is so esoteric and divorced from a culture that you and I grew up in. And, and so what, what I'm doing is walking that very, very thin line of, of leaning into and bowing to and honoring the ancient traditions of, of many places, both you know India as well as my own roots and origins, and at the same time, making it my own. And that can be a very, very scary thing to do. Mm -hmm. you know, we're all being called to, I think, burn away institutions burn away all of our sacred cows, everything that we consider to be the tradition. I have the real yoga. Yeah, I yeah. have the true deep yoga or the true deep Christianity or the true deep Judaism, whatever that is. You know, at the end of the day, I think that that is just another trapping of, of, of the egos wanting to be separate. Yes. And I had this experience through Shakti school that I don't think I would have had otherwise. Like the, my experience, I was like a month in when I experienced a miscarriage and a series of other unfortunate events right up at the beginning of the program. And um, I actually have a couple of friends in year one right now and I've given both of them this advice. Like as a, you know, star student, I was so devastated that I couldn't be the star student in this program because I just didn't have the bandwidth. I didn't have the life force. I needed to just allow myself to soak in whatever, whatever I needed and to really trust that and kind of get out of my own way. And that was so radical for me and ended up Meaning that after 10 years of studying Ayurveda and being like really diligent about doing the David Frawley stuff, doing the Svoboda stuff, you know, being really even full disclosure and we know where we ended up. So I hope it's okay that I'm saying this. When I first opened your book, I didn't love it. Like it wasn't serious enough for me. Right. And then I got to the end of it and I was like. I love that you can admit that. I have to, 
because now I look back and it's like, God, I was so on this, you know, the very masculine track of studentship, which brings me to this, this next point of lineage. And, you know, what, what was allowed to happen because of my very specifically female trauma was I was able to hear and participate and practice Ayurveda in this very specifically feminine way that you're offering, which is, you know, we had all sorts of humans contribute to that uh, teaching, that program, and it was wild and wonderful. And there's a, a teacher here in Tucson, I'm currently in Tucson, through the grapevine of my teachers, the, the saying is, lineage is leverage. And it was offered to me in the context of a prenatal yoga class because it's talking about, you know, the sort of constructed lineage of a tradition. And my teacher offered it to me as the lineage of being a birthing human. And oh, I'm going to cry. I know what to do on a biological level. And whether explicitly stated or not, that to me is what Shakti school was, a remembering. Like, girlfriend, you know. And we need lineage, and lineage is beautiful. Lineage is, lineage is what I'm doing right now, sister. I just went through such a painful personal experience a, a few weeks ago, very unexpectedly. And right now, we're doing this interview from me sitting on my mom's couch. She had mm. to come get me yesterday and bring me here. And that's lineage. Yeah. Like, it's it's your mama and her mama and grandmama and all these mothers, whether you had a good one or not, right? And fathers and grandfathers and that spirit coming through us. And I think we need our lineage elders. We need that wisdom. And it doesn't have to be only our biological lineage. Mm-hmm. So it's like India itself. Like everything you can say about India, you can say the exact opposite. And that's true with almost everything when we're speaking about the spiritual walk. Lineage can be the, is the most important thing and can also be the structure through which the greatest damage and power loss can Mm. be done. And so, uh, because we're supposed to be teaching sovereignty, spiritual sovereignty, complete radical self-sovereignty, self-trust. And it's so damn easy if you get a little bit of a power in a a lineage to use that in a way that devalues or disempowers the student. And so I'm I'm, I'm not working with any kind of formal lineage right now. And what I will say is I am surrounded by my teachers. Yeah. Constantly, you know, um, and at the same time, I think it's really valuable to, like, Shakti, our power needs structure through which to flow, right? Like, it's great that we have all of these incredible teachings and traditions written down and codified, but they become oppressive to the feminine when they're, they're, they're used as, like, the, the map or the overlay upon which your own experience can't, can't breathe. You know, I remember one of my Ayurveda teachers saying, this is not, um, you know, this is not the feminine. That's too messy. That's too too spontaneous. That's too. And he was listing all of these adjectives to describe me. <laughs> <laughs> you know. Yeah. And I thought, but that's the thing that makes us so interesting mm-hmm. and so real. 
Um, so yeah, we have a lot of different teachers in my school and they come from a lot of different lineages. And one of the reasons I created Shakti School is that so I could highlight all of these amazing teachers in this world. And, you know, I have another program called the Lineage of Love. And it's like, honestly, anybody that's teaching the practices of love is in my lineage. And uh, I don't do formal Hatha yoga anymore. My, I don't have a, my body doesn't roll out a yoga mat and raise my arms like a toy soldier. I don't do that form anymore. And who knows, maybe 10 years from now I will and I'll see some value in it again. But I did that form for so long that my, bo- my body was in a lot of pain. At the end of my yoga career, I was having some endometriosis, lower back pain, mm-hmm. um, insomnia, like all of these things. And I couldn't tell anybody about it because it would be admitting that the Hatha yoga I was practicing wasn't turning me into this golden shining solar being that the teachings promised. Yeah. Right. And I actually just started being normal and taking really long walks and dancing and just, you know what I do, you know, moving my body in this like sway, dancey way. And I mean, Stacy, I have no lower back pain. I was disdiagnosed from my doctor. I don't know if that's a word disdiagnosed, but I don't have endometriosis anymore. My period yeah. comes every month regularly. And do I have new things popping up now that I get to heal? Hell Yeah. But, but I, I'm going to give myself a small compliment because in that moment, if I had not been brave enough to say this thing that I'm doing that I've promoted, that I've devoted my whole life to, it's not working. And, and I lost students, not many, but most of my students, and I don't, you know, they're not mine, just most of the women that come around to hear what I have to say, they were like, oh my God, thank goodness that you said something because I was sick of doing this male masculine form of yoga that we've all inherited and mostly women are doing yoga in this country but the forms that we're doing are coming from the indian martial arts and army moves of dudes which i don't want anyone listening to think i'm throwing off on that i'm just saying that's that's weird because if you and i woke up in the middle of the forest with like 16 other lady sisters and we had our brains have been completely empty slated you and i would start to move in a way that looks nothing like the yoga that we're doing mostly in America today. We would start moving and dancing circular shapes because that's the soft tone of your body. And we would not have any menstrual dysfunction and we would not have any eating disorders. And all I'm focused on now is how do I get myself with you and 16 other women into the middle of the forest? Maybe that's why we're meeting on the podcast again because I'm also thinking about that, Stacey. Yeah, I can hear you. Hello? Yeah, it should... Yeah, now we're back. Okay. Yeah, the lady commune sounds pretty wonderful. (laughs) Yes. And, you know, I, I wonder how conscious it was, obviously again, and this is just from, from what you've shared, um, through Shakti school, but you went very far away from home for a long time. And I've, I've just moved back to my hometown to be close to my parents. And the only thing, like I never, I've been gone 17 years and almost the moment I found out I was pregnant, it was like, that's the only place, this is where I have to be. 
So um, I'd love to hear about that experience for you, that realization. Yeah, I mean, there's this beautiful phrase in Spanish that's la tierra tira, which means that the land you're from pulls you, pulls you back. Mm. And, uh, you know, I lived all over, I uh, lived in Spain for eight years, I lived in San Francisco for a while, and um, what pulled me back was not having a baby inside of me, it was um, this feeling that I didn't have anybody where I lived that if I needed to move that they would show up with boxes and a truck, you know what I mean? I had that realization that there's certain types of friends and people that will help mm-hmm. you move. And I, and I never felt like I really had developed that. And um, I wanted to smell the grass, the smell of wet grass and dirt in Virginia, like, mm-hmm. cause that's where I'm from. And I don't know if I'll be here forever, but I think, you know, I'm already thinking about my third book and, and it's going to be about the divine mother that I have discovered and am discovering that, I studied in this Shakta tradition, which is the tradition of discovering the Divine Mother through all of these ornate, interesting, incredible inner and outer rituals and practices. And what I realized is like my mom is my connection to the Divine Mother. And, um, you know, so going home is like, I think the Ram Dass says, you know, if you think you're so enlightened, go live with your parents. Right. Like the, the real tantric practice is what you're doing right now being with your freaking parents and like feeling into your reactivity and um, not seeing them as people but as these extensions of your your karmic experience and so I think it's really I don't think it's the journey of everyone to go home but um, I I live about an hour and a half away from my whole family and that's that's about the right amount for me right now Mm -hmm. yeah my husband and I joke that we live just far enough away from my parents like, it's easy for them to get here, and it it's not that easy. <laughs> right. They're not your next-door neighbor. Right. It takes some effort. But that, uh, yeah, I mean, and I, I hear in that, too, it's also with, like, um, practices or, or people or a relationship. It's like we can swear off certain things, but if the... If the lesson is there, if the medicine is there, we're going to continue to be magnetized by it. And my my eternal quest for this practice is that principle that anything, everything can be, is medicinal or toxic based on how we relate to it. Yeah, beautiful. Which doesn't mean like I have to have full resolution in this like, tidy pink bow sense but um you gotta go there you gotta go there yeah you gotta and and (laughs) understanding our mothers and that kind of evolutionary practice of uh, one of the most profound things, and I've probably said that eight times already, but in Shakti school, it, it was a moment that truly transformed my long um, struggle with relating to food in a healthy, loving way and getting to acknowledge uh, how much sadness there is for me around food and having the honor of hearing you share about not only your journey with feeding yourself, but observing your mother and actually bringing that out of her and sharing that and like holding space for her um, was really 
incredible. Wonderful. Yeah, such a um, uniquely feminine piece of all of this. Yeah. <laughs> There's something um, potent about women and our relationships to food and our mothers and our ability to mother ourselves and uh, nurture and love ourselves. And, and yet, I think food is like the most um, advanced spiritual, one of the most advanced spiritual practices in terms of con- being conscious of your relationship with food because you know, you can really give up anything. You can give up any, most everything, except for breathing and eating mm-hmm. uh, and water. You know, there's certain things we have to have a relationship with that has harmony. And and food is, is I think, one of, like, the last, the last terrains, you know, for many of us. It's like, if, if I can have harmony and love and balance and nurturance, nurturance in my relationship to food, like, that's a very advanced spiritual discipline for me, especially. And, but at the same time, I think there are also extremes in that because like, like reality is not always that you're in harmony and balance and perfection. So right. What, what I'm doing right now, like, you know, I went through a really tough time as I shared with you three weeks ago. And there was just one night where I was like, you know what? I'm going to binge eat a pizza. And I just gave myself total permission. And it felt like the medicine. It felt, and you know, when I say binge eat, and of course, when you give yourself permission to binge eat a pizza and you do it consciously, you actually don't binge eat. Yeah, totally. <laughs> but it really, sometimes, and I want your listeners to hear me on this one, sometimes we need to overeat and that can even be healthy. Like, mm-hmm. even when we say, I think with, with our school, what I keep trying to impress upon the students and what I have to keep doing it because the, it keeps coming up, this sort of pattern that we've all downloaded that when you reach balance, whether it be food or um, emotional intelligence, relationships, your, your body image, all of those things, like that you'll get to this place where there's no longer any rub or any conflict or any leaning into one of these directions. And I think, I, I don't know, maybe I'm just young and dumb, Stacey, but like, I don't think that we ever get to that place. I, Ayurveda teaches that really, Tantra teaches, it's actually like the nature of reality is chaos. Mm-hmm. And there's some sort of beautiful order orchestrating all of it. And you said it so beautifully. If there's a lesson to be learned, you are going to magnetize that medicine. And so for me and and for you and for everyone out there listening, like it's going to look different. Yes. I heard something so awesome from the wonderful Dr. Claudia Welch. Um, just like I could listen to her all day, <laughs> no matter what's going on. I'm like, yes. Yeah, I'm a fan girl. I'm a fan girl as well. Okay. Uh, so Dr. Claudia was speaking to someone about stress, stress hormones. And um, I can't remember what exactly prompted her, but she, she was like, I'm really bored with the food conversation because even if you were at the ashram and everything was grown with mantra and priests and you had the best Ayurvedic doctor and the best Chinese medicine doctor and the best allopathic doctor and they somehow all magically agreed on what you needed. If you, <laughs> if you were not right within yourself, nothing would nourish you. It doesn't matter what you're eating. Yeah. And like, I have chills repeating it. Yeah, yeah. Like when there is, and I think also for 
for the healing of the feminine and for for women who carry that need to heal the feminine but this is true for men too it's just i think more exaggerated or pronounced for women this um what you were speaking to about like allowing for the binge it's to me that really is just an acknowledgement and a willingness to be in right relationship with the fact that I'm deeply sad. I'm starving yeah. for something. I feel empty. And that is like, again, back to the beginning, like it's where you are, how you are, who you are is the point, is the path. Right, right. I'm in integrity with myself because I'm allowing myself to actually have the experience, the experience that I'm having. Mm-hmm. So just to um, kind of, well, eke toward some kind of resolution for our conversation, although I could just have it go on for hours and hours. Uh, one thing I want to say, and then I'll get to the, my last question for you, the kind of guru phenomenon <laughs> That is, that is prevalent. It does, it's not specific to yoga by any means. Um, and I'm, I was thinking of this before, before our conversation started. There's so many women that I will be speaking to that will be heard uh, on this podcast. And my experience of each of them, maybe the pull is this generosity that is not, um, that is also very well boundaried. So like a couple of my other primary teachers, Kimberly Johnson, Maga Mamas, and Rochelle Garcia Saliga, who has a postpartum care training and practices indigenous medicine. And, you know, if I email Katie Silcox, I'm going to get a response from Katie Silcox. If I email Kimberly Johnson, if I email Rochelle, like these are the people who I'm going to be interfacing with. And your world-renowned authors and teachers and mothers. And I, I wonder if you could speak to your experience of a more masculine lineage or guru relationship and how you have harnessed what is, you know, the integration of the generosity, the nurturing, the giving that is mother and take care of yourself and have established boundaries because yeah. that, that's been my experience. Um, it's not like you're just sitting on your phone. You've got nothing better to do. Like there's a clear expression of boundary as well. Yeah. I think you nailed it. I think in general, women, it, you know, we're, we're all trying to avoid these dyads of, uh, or, or dichotomies where you're generalizing the masculine and the feminine, but I think it's okay because we do have biological differences. And in my experience in general, women, women do tend to have a, a generous nature and, and thousands of years, if not more of evolution, we've developed this ability to relate to one another and to give and to listen and to understand community. And um, I think for me personally, because we have this large growing community of women, 
my tendency is always going to be to want to love and to mother and make sure everyone's okay. And there's a shadow side to that, of course, yeah. you know, yeah. if you're okay, it means I'm okay as well. And so I've had to really work to create boundaries. And if you write me, you may get Katie Silcox, but you may also get Amarie or Sarah, one of my helpers. And um, that's a big change for me. I used to answer every single email and now my email's not on our website anymore, which is a different thing for me. And, and there's a certain loss there and not mm. being able to interface with each and every woman that contacts us, but it, my system just can't handle that much. Yeah. And, uh, so I think there, there there's the, uh, an interesting thing that happens when you get a group of women together with a female lead teacher. That is a very different phenomenon when you get a group of women with a male lead teacher. And normally, you know, there are feminine, feminine essence men that it'll feel that same way. But my students are my age, many of them, some of them younger, some of them older, but a lot of them are in my cohort. Mm -hmm. And and I was raised by Rod Stryker, who is a very well-known self, you know, proclaimed yoga rupa is what he calls himself, the embodiment of yoga. He is a, he is a tried and true guru. He believes in lineage. And I learned and gained so much from that experience. But then I would try to emulate that unconsciously, and it just didn't work, right? No one, like, I'm, I'm Bunny. Everyone calls me Bunny. <laughs> you know, like, I'm your best gal Friday. And so um, it's a different experience, and I can't, I don't take myself that seriously. And, um, and, and I really learn from my students. And, and whenever I let go of the guru model, I never considered myself a guru ever, 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 because I had so many freaking problems. I was never audacious enough to think that about myself but whenever I really started letting myself just be a member of the of a circle even if I was taking on that place of leadership that's when I was able to actually receive my own humanity and let Mm. that in now at the same time it's super important to have boundaries not because someone is bigger or better than one another it's because you mentioned Kimberly you mentioned another teacher but like when I'm playing that role of educator I'm in a different nervous system space I'm not the one being in that receptive mode I am the one presenting there's a different value at work which is Udana right things are moving up and out you guys are in a downward integration and a digestive flow so at the end of my teaching I might not be able to you know go out to dinner with everybody and receive 40 more questions about my personal life and and it makes me very sad sometimes because you know but that's just with any any kind of leadership or teaching role um, but what I, I think is happening right now, and this is probably a bigger, is not, this is a bigger conversation, but I think that the whole idea of a top-down hierarchical guru system, as these systems start to change and evolve, what I sense the Divine Mother asking in me is to also challenge that very notion of a hierarchical system and what does it mean to actually be in right relationship whereby there is not a hierarchy and we sit in a circular feminine form mm-hmm. that can still have r- relationship of leaders. I, do, I don't think that we all need to play exactly the same role, but one of my concerns in, in the yoga world is that we, we, we sort of emulate that because that's the system that we've been given. Yeah. Standing separate from... Yeah, thank you for that. Um, and perhaps the most awe-inspiring piece is the 
acknowledgement and just steady association with the fact that it's a process. That acknowledgement that this is ongoing, there, there, of course, are moments where you reach a certain peak, like I've absorbed a certain amount of information. I do have um, a good amount of experience that enables me to confidently speak on certain topics and hold space and switch from one nervous system setting to another. I love that um, image. And... There is also the the tenderness to acknowledge the the work involved in that, and the I think humility to even say like this takes a different amount of energy from me. I don't have the bandwidth to do everything anymore to be widely available because this I'm working in a in a really deep way. Um, a friend of mine just said something through the social media channels, like, you know, there's all these books like Rise, Sister Rise and the Feminine Rising and all this stuff. And she said, the feminine doesn't rise. She descends. Exactly. And that's what I heard you describing, like going deeper and deeper and deeper into yourself. Yeah. Yeah. And she, she hates boxes. She hates, she hates black and white understanding of reality us versus them good versus bad I have all the answers and you know you're Donald Trump this whole right. political po- political world that we're that we're swimming in is so you know the antithesis of this middle path that the Buddha talked about like the feminine the feminine hates being put into these boxes and you know I live in the deep south and um and I and I watch you guys out in California and New York and you know I don't know where your listeners are but a lot of a lot of the things taking place on the cutting edge of spirituality and social justice and like and I, and I just want to just shout out to gentleness just a shout out to gentleness and to just keep coming back to that place of the heart that like there is no distinction in that place of the heart and this isn't a, a lesson in spiritual bypassing it's just saying I'm, I'm in that work right now when, when um you know, your relatives have voted in a way that you don't like, or, you know, it's just to continue to see this, this com- complete compassion medicine that's wanting to come through and we're being called to bring in, in. And so I'm, I'm, I can't, I can't give a really like black and white summary on my experience of the yoga world or the guru tradition, because that's the goddess. Mm-hmm. She's like, look, this just is, this just is. Yeah. And it's not right or wrong. It's not a rejection yeah. of anything uh, on behalf of something else. No, I. Um, it's taken me a while to like really feel gratitude about it. And I am grateful for the fact that when I sit down at the dinner table with my family, we're not all in agreement about the world because it has, it has stretched me and deepened my capacity for seeing and being with and loving in a way that just that like-minded everybody here agrees just doesn't it can't i mean when you only hang out with like-minded everybody agrees kind of things and people you are on your way to ignorance because the thing that makes me strong i want to be around people that don't agree with me 
situations with people because that's going to stretch me and make me so much more resilient, so much more interesting. You know, I have to say that I don't think I told you guys this in Shockey School. I'm going to say it publicly on your podcast. I went out on several dates with a Trump voter mm-hmm. back, back before I was with my partner. And um, I, I got a lot of flack from my friends. And I was just like, you guys, this person is one of the kindest people I've ever met. And, I mean, he didn't end up being someone that, it wasn't the right fit for obvious reasons. But, Stacey, I learned so much about the perspective of that part of our country that voted for him by by interfacing with him, mm-hmm. by being willing to go out on a couple of dates and experience this person. And when he explained some of his perspectives of me with me, the ones that weren't morally apprehensive, you know, incredible, <laughs> I understood them. And they, and I understood where he was coming from, and it removed the hate from, from my heart. Mm-hmm. Now, he wasn't a terrible, bigoted person like the ones that descended on my hometown in Charlottesville. He was a reasonable person. Um, but my point is, had I been just so so full of myself that I never would have interfaced with this person, I wouldn't have had the opportunity to expand and heal my own perspective and my own heart. And I just think right now in such a time of division that anything we can do to unite one another in our in our heart of hearts and like, you know, and then there are times when you need to get the buck out of a bad guru relationship. You need to get away from bigoted, horrible, racist people. There are moments when yeah. we have to say no and bring the sharp sword. I don't want anyone to get the impression that this path is about never say no right. but I, I I think I feel like an old lady looking at the youth and saying I'm a little bit worried about <laughs> we don't need to demonize anyone because of the color of their skin well and you Ever. said something at the beginning that I think sums it up of like you know substituting the patriarchy with the matriarchy where it's like dominance is dominance exactly Part- Casey, do you know our social media, we have to be really careful, you know, our social media, do you know how many times we've been, I think, you know, unbelievable words of, of violence coming from so-called proponents of equality and love, and and I said this to a ed- very educated friend of mine at Harvard, and he said, yeah, that's so funny, you want to take down the patriarchy by attacking other women? Yeah. How is that? You know, so I don't want to become a part of the attack mode. I don't, I do not attack, want to attack the yoga world. I don't want to attack the structures. We must, we must, with love, resolve what's wrong in a way that, that I think that's really what, what this is for me is just how, to, how can we listen and love more? And yeah, that's where I am today. Sitting in it. <laughs> I'm in it. Sitting in it. Um, well, geez, I am super grateful for all that, uh, you have given me because, you know, I know it was just for me, packaged just for Stacy. I'm going to think of you every time I teach now, Stacy. <laughs> I'm going to teach for the image of, of Stacy in front of me on the computer. All right. Yeah. I mean, this, um is something that I think is an important reminder for all teachers and aspiring leaders, current leaders who may listen to this, that, 
in your commitment to being clear within yourself and honoring and cultivating trust in what is true for you, everyone listening is going to get that thread for themselves. It's it's such a different experience from a teacher who who wants to be everything for everybody. And I love that about you. I really love that about you and have taken that in. Like, I can't. I can't be. I can only be myself. And I'm not everybody's flavor. Exactly. <laughs> and that's okay. Exactly. But when you are around me, honey, you're going to taste something. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> you're going to know what that flavor of Katie you're is. For sure. I love, I love her. I love you. I would love for you to just mention anything specifically, if you wish, about where people can find you and what your primary offerings are. Um, give, take it away. Well, we have a website called theshockyschool.com where they can find out about everything we do. And our next training that Stacy mentioned during this podcast is happening in 2020 in January and you can sign up now. It's a year-long student apprenticeship in Ayurveda with yours truly and some 20 other amazing teachers. And we also have a, 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 a movement and meditation-based subscription program called the Lineage of Love. And we'll give you the links for this, Stacy, but they can come and join us for free and check us out. And, awesome. Um, yeah, we'll give you all that, that info. Awesome. Yeah. I will make sure your full bio is up there and the links to the Shakti School as well as the free trial of the Lineage of Love. And from the bottom of my heart, Katie, thank you so much. Oh, it's my pleasure. Anytime anytime you invite me, I'll be here around. I enjoyed it. You just gave me so many gifts in this podcast, so thank you. We'll talk soon. All right. Sounds good, Mama. Bye. Thank you so much for joining us on today's episode of the Sacred Body Podcast. I look forward to joining you again. And if you want to learn more about today's episode, please visit stacyramsauer.com. You can leave your comments, share far and wide, and we'll see you next time.